Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning, church. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. We blessed to be in the house of God. We blessed to have a place to worship freely. Amen. That is a blessing in and of itself. I hope that you had a, a blessed week uh, this week, church. And, and uh, I, I know that I know we have some I know in, in the summer months we have some families that are that are out of town and we have some families that are out of town this week and we'll be out of town uh, today. We'll be leaving uh, t- to Colorado uh, with a few people here from from the church as well. So so uh, keep us in prayer. Um, Pastor Danny, this morning in the Spanish service, he was telling he was recounting a time where we were on our way to Colorado and and uh, it was in the middle of the night. I was I was awake, but, you know, I was half asleep as well. And it was it was pitch black. And out of nowhere came these black cows in the middle of the road. I didn't see them until, you know, I was maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 feet in front of them. And I swerved my car. And thank God I missed them. My family was in the car. Layla was only like six months at the time. Um, And she didn't. She slept through the whole thing. That was a rough road trip. I also killed a deer, a little deer. So let's pray that none of that happens. I don't want to hurt God's creation. Um, (laughs) So just be in prayer this morning. But. Again, we're happy to be in the house of God. Amen. 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 I have to comment. Um, Brother Larry mentioned it earlier that uh, these gla- I have to comment on these glasses because these glasses are like the elephant in the room. Uh, because a few weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, I-, I got these glasses and um, I didn't have, I-, I went to I went to the, the, the eye doctor and um, I was like, you know what? These these are different. I'm gonna buy them. And then I was like, okay, um, I showed Melissa, and the first thing she says is, you look, you look like a creeper. <laughs> and so um, turns out some of you also shared the same sentiment, but uh, praise God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and I'm here wearing them. Amen. <laughs> so, yes, I, I, I busted them out here for the first time, but um, praise God. Amen. Are we, are we ready to get into the word of God this morning? Amen. I'm a little hot. Is anybody else hot? It was just me. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to ask Pastor Brandon to, to turn it down a little bit. With the same Holy Spirit fire in the room. Amen. We can have that, spot, that fire with it feeling like 65 degrees in here. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. And we're going to read a little bit this morning. We're going to read uh, verses 8 through 21. Many of us are familiar with this story of Abraham, how God called Abraham to leave his hometown in pursuit of a land that God was going to show him. And God promised to make his descendants great and he would make him into a nation. Uh, So it was a great, great blessing and a great promise to have over one's life. There was a perceived problem with this, however, in the eyes of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. How many of us can attest to that? And when God uh, gives us a task, when he gives us a calling, the first thing that we do is identify problems. That's the first thing we do. We see the impossibilities. We see the irrationality of the task that he's called us to. We see the obstacles. 
I can tell you that anytime God has called me to do something, the very first thing was an objection. God, how? That's my first question. How do you want me to do this? How am I going to get the money, the funding for this? How am I going to, how am I going to get the help? How am I going to get the knowledge of, of how to do this? Abraham and Sarah uh, are on their way to this, to this land. They, they, they're holding on tight to this promise that God made to them, that he would make them into a great nation, but they didn't understand how he was going to do it. Some of us are stuck on the how right now. We're like, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And, and if we're not too careful, we often try to, try to help God out. We try, to, we try to step in because God, you know, sometimes when God gives us a calling, whenever he gives us anything, he doesn't give us an instruction manual. He doesn't give us the roadmap. He just says to do it, and then we kind of have to figure it out in faith. And so Abraham and Sarah, they're, they said that they, they received this promise that they were going to uh, have children and, and as, 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 men, as multitudes of, uh, of descendants, right? And uh, there was a problem, though, that Sarah was barren. She couldn't have children. And even if she could have children, they were both advanced in age. So they see this problem against the promise. And so in their lack of receiving the details from God... Sarah and Abraham take matters into their own hands. And if you know the story, Sarah tells her husband to father a child through her servant, Hagar. Abraham does that, and Hagar becomes pregnant, and Ishmael is born. About 15 years later, Abraham and Sarah end up having Isaac because God, guess what? God knows what he's doing, right? Uh, So they have Isaac. Uh, Isaac is the son of the promise. It's Isaac who God chose to accomplish his purpose, not, not Ishmael. Um, and, and so that's where I want to uh, pick up this story from. Isaac had just been born, and verse 8 says this. It says, And the child, the child being Isaac, grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who she had born to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to do, uh, do so. Uh, For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation... Of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. Verse 14 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about a distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow, and he lived in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took a wife, and and his mother took a wife for him for the land of Egypt. Amen. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, Lord, that you have spoken over, over your servant, Father God. I pray, Lord, uh, that, that you speak it through me, Father God. I pray that your Holy Spirit be on my lips this morning, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that we invite you with open minds and open hearts, my God, so that you can do a work in our life through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled this sermon today, The Other Blessing. Someone say that with me. The Other Blessing. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been inspired or like uh, impacted by someone else's life or someone else's story and, and you wish that their story was, was your story. I grew up, I, I, I grew up always looking up to somebody. Uh, all my friends were, were older than, than, than me and, and so I, I always had somebody in my life that I would look up to, someone that I admired and uh, and, I, you know, there's nothing I think it's very good to have people in your life that you look up to, that you admire, because it calls us to be the best versions of ourselves. Amen. Uh, and so growing up, I, I remember always, I would hang around a lot of musicians, um, great musicians, people. I already told you about my lunch with Michael's Witt, right? Um, name, name dropping. Uh, but I had relationships with all kinds of all kinds of uh, um, musicians, people who were, were better than, than me and. They would travel all over the world. And they would play music. And uh, I would remember at times I would tell these guys, man, I wish I had your life. I, I wish I could go travel the, the world playing music. And that, that could be my job. And I, I'd get paid for it. And man, that would be, so, be so awesome. And then I grew up a little bit. And then a, a little later in life, I would, there was preachers and evangelists that I would admire. And um, men of God who just spoke with such wisdom and eloquence and depth and they captured your attention. And I would think, man, how awesome would it be to, to travel the world and preach the gospel? Uh, I've been inspired by, by leaders of, of large organizations, business leaders. And I would always think, man, how awesome would it be to be in their shoes? It's so easy for us to see someone else's blessing and want it for ourselves, right? Someone else's life and, and kind of desire it. Or even somebody's anointing. I was, I was sharing a few weeks ago that I was so inspired by the anointing of, of Brother Ab, uh, um, Angel, Brother Ab, uh, Angel Martinez, when he came and, and he ministered to us. It's, uh, it's so easy for us to desire the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has chosen to give another person that when we look at what we have, we see it as nothing because it's not the one that we want. And I don't know, man, church, I don't know why God put this word on my heart. It's been on my heart since, since last week, but I've been meditating on it. And, you know, God wants the blessings that he's reserved for you to be used specifically by you. He wants the, the, the blessings that he's reserved for somebody else to be used by them. Okay. Now, don't, don't think that just because you don't have someone else's calling or someone else's anointing or someone else's gifting that yours is less important. It's just that God has purposed certain things for certain people. Amen. And man, I, I got to say, I think that this is, I think Christians specifically struggle with this because, you know, we, we know where our blessings come from. They come from the father. If you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in God, then you don't really believe in blessings, right? Because blessings require a, bl a, a blesser, right? So if you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God, you just think that, you know, you just live your life by chance and it's the luck of the draw and you get what you get. You don't throw a fit, right? That's what we tell Layla. But 
But as Christians, we know that our blessings come from our father. And so it's easy for us to see that and say, okay, well, God, you gave this person that blessing. Why can't I have that blessing? Why did, why did you bless them in that way and not me in that way? How come you bless them with the house and I'm over here struggling to get approved? Why did, why, how come they got the healing and I've been praying for years and I have not received my healing? Why this? Why that? Why does she get that beautiful singing voice to minister? Don't you think that I would have loved to have been a worship leader? <laughs> and God is saying something this morning. God is saying, look at the other blessing. Look at the other, look at the blessing that I reserve specifically for you. It's sitting on your table, unopened. Man, sometimes we go to Target. Layla always, always wants to get a, a toy. And I'm like, Layla, you don't play with toys. She, she doesn't. She's not that type of, she doesn't like toys. She's got a room full of toys and I'm ready to throw them away. But she's like, no, I play with that. I'm like, since when? Still in a box. And so we'll, we'll go to Target and we'll, we'll buy her a toy. She forgets about it. It's there on the table, unopened. And then she wants to go to Target the next day and say, oh, I don't have this one. Can I get this one? There's still one unopened on the table. And God is saying, look at the blessing that you have yet to open. Look at the blessing that I've reserved for you. You want the next, you, you want somebody else's blessing. You want what you don't have, but I have something for you. Look at the other blessing. Look at the people I have called specifically for you to reach. Come on, somebody. God has put certain people in your life for a reason. You think, God, why, why don't I have better friends? God, why don't I have richer friends? You know? God put certain people in your life for you to be their version of Jesus. And you're over here complaining about it. And, and, and we're not all called, listen, we're not all called to reach the same people. <laughs> Did he know, have you ever noticed that, that Peter's ministry was mainly to the Jews? Paul's ministry was for the Gentiles. Paul even recognizes this himself in, in Galatians 2.8. He says, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as apostle to the Gentiles. The Jews were Peter's people. He understood the Jews. The Jews understood him. He had a reverence among the Jews. He spoke their cultural language. Peter, though, would not have been as effective in his ministry to Gentiles. He had reservations about the Gentiles. He struggled to relate to the Gentiles. Sometimes he didn't want to go to, to houses of Gentiles because of, of, of what other people were going to say. He couldn't relate to them, so God raises up Paul. Now, Paul didn't say, oh, God, I wanted the Jews. Peter didn't say, God, I wanted the Gentiles. God has a calling specifically for you. God has set uh, certain people in your life, certain things in your life for you to reach, and you're looking at the other one. Look at the blessing. Look at the opportunity. Look at the, uh, the anointing, the calling, the task that God has reserved for you. Now, I want to look at the relationship between these two women, these two mothers. Sarah is the mother of Isaac and Hagar, the mother of Ishmael. So, again, we're going to read a little bit. I want to go back to Genesis 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 16. We're going to uh, start with verse 1. It says, now Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, uh, Abram, 
Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai's, uh, Abram's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And, she went in, and, and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Mm. <laughs> Women be like that sometimes, bro. <laughs> she said, I, I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So this is a great example of why polygamy is a bad idea. Okay? If you ever needed a reason, that, that's it. Right there. What, what man in their right mind wants two wives? <laughs> one, is, one is enough, right? I mean, one, one is all you need. But man, the drama, imagine the drama that he was that he was in the middle of right and 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 first of all I want you to notice man Sarai told her told her husband Abram didn't ask she she told her husband go into my servant Hagar and bear a son with her and then she gets angry with Abram when the real issue is with Hagar why'd you do that has your has your wife ever gotten mad at you like because of a a dream that she had Girl, girl, don't take your thoughts, all right? Don't be putting me in that. That's all I'm going to say about that. But there was some serious family drama here, right? Now, I want to point something out, okay? I think it's so important. Hagar is clearly the underdog in this story, right? At least in the context of, of, of God's plan. God, God has chosen um, uh, Abram and, and Sarah, Sarah to ultimately carry the seed of the promise that he that, that God made to, to Abraham, right? It's Sarah who is going to have Isaac, and then Isaac and Rebekah are going to have Jacob, and Jacob is his name is going to be turned into Israel, and, and the 12 tribes of Israel is going to come from him. So it's so uh, Sarah is the one that's carrying this, this tremendous, beautiful calling by God. Now, Hagar doesn't get that blessing. So when we look at the story, Sarah seems to be the hero. Right? Sarah's the one that we celebrate. Sarah's the one that we preach about. If, if, if you're playing a video game of, of Bible characters and the only two characters left to choose from are, are Hagar and Sarah, come on. You're going to choose Sarah. It's just... It's just, it's just Sarah is she's painted as this as this as this as this hero. But it's interesting to me that Sarah received this beautiful promise that most people would be envious of, but notice that it's Sarah who becomes jealous of Hagar's blessing. You see the human fault here? We're always looking at someone else's blessing. First it's Sarah who's jealous of Hagar. And then later, it's Hagar becoming jealous of, of Sarah. And all the while, God is in the middle saying, I've got blessings for both of y'all. It might not be the same blessing, 
It might not be the same calling. It might not be the same dollar amount. It might not be the same house. It might not be the same car. It might not be the same job. It might not be the same location, but I've got a blessing for you and for you. I've got blessings for all who are faithful and obedient. Verses 9 and 10 says that the angel of the Lord said to to Hagar, return to your mistress and submit to her, and I will surely multiply your offspring so that they can cannot be numbered for multitude. So she gets she gets a promise as well. Now there's a whole other message here that I that I could preach, but I'll I'll just preach it a little bit. Um, both women, Sarah and Hagar, they were both in the wrong, right? They were both in the wrong here. Sarah was wrong because she. She let her anger and her jealousy get the best of her. But, but Hagar was wrong because she became arrogant with the blessing of her pregnancy. She got pregnant and she became arrogant. She started to flaunt it. How many of us know that you can be blessed and arrogant at the same time? You can be gifted. You can be anointed. You can be used by God and make people despise you with the way that you carry yourself. With your character. You're carrying a beautiful promise, a beautiful anointing, but your character is kind of corrupting it. Yeah. Every week I, 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 uh, I make it a point to, to try to have like lunch with a pastor. Um, it's just something that I, 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 I'm intentional about. I want to I sit down with someone else and just have that fellowship and see how they're doing and you know, get, get, get feedback, get insight from them. So every week I'll have lunch with, with a pastor. And every time I sit down with them, the very first question that they ask me is, how's the church? And... When they ask me, I, I tell them the truth. I said, we're in a season of blessing. Because we are. And every time I say that, I feel like I, I, I start, I don't stop talking for like another five minutes. Because I start to tell them about everything that God has done. And, and we've, we've, we're close to 50 salvations, pastor, this year. We've baptized about 15 people. Uh, we, we're discipling new believers. We're growing. We renovated our church. And, and these are all things that are worth celebrating. But I also realize that the mature thing to do, someone say that word mature. Because you can be a Christian and be immature. Okay, the, the mature thing for me to do is to be sensitive in the way that I celebrate those blessings. Because I know coming out of 2020, many churches actually closed their doors. I know that, that, that many churches lost members, congregation sizes diminished, pastors passed away, congregants passed away. So I don't want to make light of what God has done at Numa Church, but I also don't want to be arrogant about it. You haven't had any, any salvations this year, pastor? You're not discipling anybody, pastor? You haven't had any baptism this year, pastor? No one's going to your church, pastor? They're going to my church. That's not the way to do it. The Bible says that, that Hagar began to look at Sarah with contempt, which means that she began to see Sarah as less significant. You can't have children. I can. God rebuke us, man, whenever we think that our blessing or our anointing or our calling makes us better than somebody else. May God humble you. And I, I don't mean that as a curse this morning, but I mean that as a correction. Sometimes we need God to humble us when we think we're a, a little too up here. Now, unfortunately, this family situation never got, it never got better. It just it can't get better 
with two wives. <laughs> or two husbands. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Double duty. But they grow up, and Ishmael grows up. He becomes a teenager. And, and then when Isaac is born, it brings a whole other new tension now. Y'all been there before, right? I mean, there's always tension. Like, if you go out of town with families and there's kids there, there's always, there's always a little bit of tension, right? There's always a little bit of tension. Your, their child's not sharing with your child. Your, your child called your, uh, your child a name. And there's always, there's always a, little bit, a little bit of tension. And so imagine being in the same household, and for 15 years, there's, there's one child, Ishmael, and now Isaac is born. Whole, whole new tension. And, and this time, Sarah demands that Hagar just leave. Send her away. I don't, I don't want her. I don't want anything to do with her or her son. Uh, back to uh, chapter 21, verse 10, it says, Cast out the slave woman for, with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. She said, my baby ain't sharing with your baby. <laughs> now, now the roles were reversed, right? Now it's Sarah who makes Hagar feel inferior. Can I just encourage somebody today, man, and let you know that no one's blessing should ever make you feel less than. Stop looking at what other people have and looking at what you don't have and, and feeling bad about yourself and thinking that you're less than. Stop, stop doing that. Because God has a blessing for you. God has a promise for you. See, see, God had a plan for Isaac, but that does not mean that he did not have a plan for Ishmael. Now again, going back to the beginning, sometimes we want the other person's blessing. We want what they don't have, what, what, what we don't have. This is also echoed in the next generation, right, of Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau. You know the story of Jacob and Esau. Es- they, they go through the same thing. Jacob desires his brother Esau's birthright. As the firstborn, it was, it, was, it was customary that the firstborn would get a double portion of the inheritance of their father. Jacob, Jacob... <laughs> The story goes that, that Jacob was holding on to the heel of his brother Esau. There were twins. Esau came out first. He wants the, he wants the blessing that belongs to, to Esau. He wants that birthright. Esau doesn't really care about it so much. He wants what, he, the Bible says that he sells his uh, birthright for a bowl of soup. He wanted that soup. I don't know how good that soup was. <laughs> it must have been some good soup, but... And then later, we see that, that when Jacob steals his father's blessing by disguising himself as Esau, now Esau becomes hateful and bitter towards his brother Jacob because now he has the blessing. It's always going back and forth. Man, if I were God, I'd be like through the roof with stress levels. My children can't be grateful for anything. They always want what the other one has. Layla can't pick up a toy without Ellie throwing a fit. It's like, Ellie, we'll, we'll get you one up. No, she wants that one. And that's how it is sometimes. We always want the other blessing. We, also, we always want the other calling, the other anointing. The, the, whatever it is, man, we're always looking at what others have and saying, God, why don't I have it? And I also think that, <clears throat> I think that humans ha- have a natural tendency of wanting to, to live fulfilled lives, right? You desire to live a fulfilled life. No one wants to get to the end of their life feeling like, they wasted it. We want, to, we want to feel proud of our lives by the end of it. In fact, every, every day I, I, uh, 
this is part of my, my regular prayer routine. I say, Lord, let my, my family live long, healthy, and fulfilled lives according to your purpose. Every single, every single day. That's my, my daily, one of my daily prayers. And sometimes I have to ask myself, what do I mean by fulfilled? What, what does it mean to live a fulfilled life? Because you can, you can fulfill your life with your will and not God's will. Right? A lot of times we say, God, use me. What we really mean is, God, use me for this. Use me for that. Use me here. Don't use me there. I don't know. It's like, it's like we want God to give us a multiple uh, choice option. Right? And we just kind of select what we want. No. That's, that's, that's fulfillment according to your will, not God's will. So I want you to understand that Ishmael, Ishmael could have taken the blessing away from Isaac. He had the legal right to. He was, he was the firstborn. He could have taken away the blessing from Isaac, but it wouldn't have been the blessing that God wanted for Ishmael. Esau as well. Esau technically had the legal right with his birthright to receive his father's inheritance, but it would have gone contrary to the plan of God for both Jacob and Esau. And so the point that I want to make uh, to you is that you may be looking at some, something that, that does not belong to you. And you're praying for it. God, give me that blessing. And, and God has no intentions of giving that to you because it's not in his plan. And so, so sometimes we say, God, I want, I want to be used according to your will. God, I'll let your will be done in my life. But at the same time, we're praying for something that is not God's will for us to have. And then we get mad when we don't have it and we become jealous and we become bitter and sometimes even hatred of those that do have it, but we don't have it. And, and, and God's like, I thought you were praying according to my will. You may be saying, I feel the Holy Spirit calling me to this. But it's really your desires. It's really your emotions. And at Numa Church, what do we Move, led, and empowered. Move, led, and empowered. Not moved by our emotions, not led by our emotions, but by the Holy Spirit. And, and the way that we do it is by seeking the Holy Spirit first and saying, God, reveal your will to me. Take, empty me of myself and let me be filled with you. As I decrease, you increase, right? And I believe that God is saying to somebody this morning, and this might make somebody really sad, but I got to be obedient to the word. Don't pick up the blessing that wasn't meant for you. Don't pick up the blessing that wasn't meant for you. It's a blessing. And you, you'll, you'll praise God for it thinking it was God. But then later down the line, you're going to realize that that wasn't a blessing that God wanted for you. Sometimes we're, we're praising God for the new car that we bought. Praise God for this blessing. And six months later, you can't make the payments. Maybe it wasn't God's blessing to you. Maybe you hijacked someone else's. Maybe you hijacked a blessing thinking that it was a blessing. It wasn't. It was a burden. Don't pick up the blessing that wasn't meant for you. In fact, we should, we should say, God, I don't even want to go anywhere near that. We should, we should feel it's a temptation for us. To take a blessing because it's a blessing. How many of you ever picked up some money that was on the floor? 
come on, we all done it. Y'all all raising y'all's hands. And, and, you, and you think, oh, should I pick this up? It, it's, it's mine because I found it. <laughs> Maybe this is not a good example because I'd probably take, I'd probably take the money. <laughs> but sometimes we, it's, the same, it's the same thing with the blessing. There's an opportunity here. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to praise God for it. But God's like, no, that's, not, that's not what I want for you. That's not the blessing that I have for you. I have something else for you. Don't pick up the blessing that wasn't meant for you. Instead, look at the other blessing. Again, someone say that this morning. The other blessing. Because the other blessing is not just another blessing. It is the blessing. It's the anointing. It's the calling. It is the purpose that God has in store for you. It's not just another one. It's the one. And when you become obedient to that, that is when you live a life according to the will of God. Now, I'm I'm about to close. The Bible says that Hagar, she takes her, her son Ishmael, right? And they leave. Um, and Abraham, he's not happy about it, right? Obviously, he's built a relationship with his son for the past 15 or 16 years. But God promises Abraham that he will bless the boy, so he sends him off. He says, okay, I'm going to send water, I'm going to send food. But eventually, the provisions run out. I want to I go back to verse 15. Can I get the worship team? <clears throat> verse 15 says, when the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. And then when she sat down opposite him a good way off, about a distance of a bow shot, for she said, look me not, I'm sorry, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. So when you read that, you might, you might picture a young child or, or a toddler because she's, she's setting down this, this child and she's leaving the child. But... At this point, Ishmael's well into his teenage years. He's about 15 or 16 years old. So the fact that she lays him under a bush makes most commentators assume that he was actually on the verge of death. He's had no food, no water. He's weak. He's in the wilderness. He's about to die. The fact that she says, I don't want to look, I don't want to see him die makes us believe that he was really about to die. And so I, I always wonder what goes through the minds of, of these Bible people, man. Like, what was, she, what was Hagar thinking? What was she thinking as a mother about to witness her son die? She was probably feeling so hopeless right now. So hopeless. And I, I wonder if she remembered the promise that God made to her back in chapter 16 before Ishmael was even born yet. I wonder, if she, I wonder if that crossed her mind. I wonder if she said, God, where is that promise? Or I wonder if she forgot about it. She might have forgotten about it because she had placed her promise under the shadow of Sarah's promise. Because when, when, she, when she received news that that it's actually Isaac who's going to get this blessing. She spends another 15 years with Sarah, and every single day she's probably hearing about Isaac, 
this blessing that's coming. Isaac is, is going to be the one to, to father uh, Jacob, and Jacob is going to be Israel. And, and, and what, about, what about mine? And so she places it under the promise of Sarah's, and she disregards it. How many times have we done that? How many times have God spoken life into us? How many times has he spoken a word into us? But we say, you know what? I'm, it's, it's not this one. It's not this promise. It's not that calling. It's, that, it's not that anointing. Look at, look at the anointing that my brother has. Look at the calling that he has. He's traveling all over the world. Look at the house that he has. Look at the job that God blessed him with. And because we're looking at everything else, we've overlooked our own. But it's still there. And God is saying, look at the other blessing. Look at the one that I, that I told you about before. Look at the one that's there. Don't worry about the one that someone else has because that's not for you. That's not the calling that I have for you. That is not what I have in mind for you. I wonder if her focus on another blessing that wasn't hers made her forget about the one that was. And church, what if, what if today you've been, you've been doing that, man? What if you've been looking at, at what everyone else has that you don't have? You look at the ministry of someone else. You look at the family of someone else. You know these, you know there's like, Melissa tells me about this. There's like YouTube families. And people follow them. And they're just like, washing dishes. That's so weird to me. Like people follow these, but I guess everybody wants to be that perfect picture, perfect family. Why don't I have that? You wish you had the, the calling that someone else has. You wish you had the business success that someone else has. And you're looking at everything else and every, that, that, that everyone else has, but there's another blessing waiting for you. God says, Hagar, what troubles you? Fear not. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. He has to remind her, I have not forgotten about you. There was still a purpose in mind for you. Stop looking at someone else's blessing. Stop coveting what someone else has. Stop becoming jealous because look, that is going to that is gonna that is gonna destroy your spirit. Wanting it's not that you just want the riches of someone else. You might want someone else's calling. That can destroy your spirit because it will make you bitter and it will make you jealous. And it might make you resentful. And God is like, man, let my calling for that person be for that person. Let my calling for you be for you. Start to focus today on what I have placed on your table. Pick it up and carry it through. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you this morning, Father. Just take a moment. Just take a moment in his presence. We're about to, uh, we're about to take communion. But first, let's, let's reflect on this word. My God, I pray this morning, Lord, that this word may stick. 
I pray, my God, for that person that might be in the room today, Father God, and they've, they've, been, they've been looking at their lives, my God, and they've been looking at, at someone else, Father God, wishing that, that what they had was what they had. And I pray right now, my God, that you, you remind us, Lord, that you have called us to a certain people, to a certain time frame, to a certain anointing, to a certain calling. And I pray, my God, that we may treat that with reverence, Father. Because it is so beautiful, my God, that you even think about us, my God, that you are even mindful of me, my God. It's so beautiful, Father. And I don't want to waste what you've put on my table because I never bothered to open it. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes this morning, church, and I'm going to, it's what we do every Sunday. If you're here in the room and you have not yet accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to do so. But first, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. I want to tell you that that he was thinking about you when he, was, when he went to the cross. And he knew all the sins you would commit. He knew how many times you would fail him. But he still did it anyway because he loves you and he desires communion with you. Salvation is free because of the blood that was already paid. All we have to do is accept it and submit to it. And if that's you this morning, you say, I want to take, I want to take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.